Welcome to Christ Church. The following is a homily from our Sunday morning gathering in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Enjoy. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. The story we hear today is one of those sandwich stories that uh, the context around what happens before and after, I think, helped make sense of it. The story after of it we heard two weeks ago um, is the story of the transfiguration. So right after Jesus um, has um, this uh, public teaching about undergoing suffering and death, um, he and uh, some of his um, closest disciples go up a mountain uh, to pray, and they have this just miraculous um, experience um, of God there. Right before this, uh, Jesus is asking his disciples, who do people say uh, that I am? And Peter jumps out there and says, you are the Messiah, the Son of God. And Jesus is like, yes, you're right, and, and, and upon this, I'm going to build my church. And, and Peter's the hero in the story. He's got it figured out. He, he knows who Jesus is. And so Jesus continues his story, and he says, the Son of Man must undergo great suffering. And Peter is not going to have any of that. And so he goes and he pulls Jesus by the ear. And in the Greek, it's literally how a parent would talk to a child. So any of you all who have been parents and your child has ever embarrassed you or misbehaved in public and you have pulled them aside and sat there saying, let me tell you something, you're not going to do that. That's what Peter's doing to Jesus. Here Jesus is talking about suffering and death. And, and Peter goes, Jesus, you're never going to build a movement talking about like that. You know, and, I mean, Peter's mind was is that, that we were forming an army, we were gathering people, we were going to go to Jerusalem, and we were going to drive the Romans out of Israel, and we were going to reestablish a kingdom. Jesus has the king, and this is going to be a great moment. And Jesus goes, you don't get it. My kingship is not about taking things by force and by violence. In fact, my kingship is about the emptying of power. It is the emptying of violence. N.T. Wright talks about how critical this, this term, the son of man that Jesus uses for himself is to understanding um, the first Christians' beliefs about Jesus. It comes from the book of Daniel. Daniel is this apocalyptic book, uh, meaning that it has this weird and crazy imagery, sort of like we find in Revelation. The images that we're most familiar with is that great story in which uh, Daniel and his friends get placed in the fire and, and, and the fire doesn't consume them. But there's another part there. Um, Israel's going through this, this tumultuous time. Things are not going well. Things are... Are, are awful, and, and, and Daniel says to these people who are experiencing all of this that one day God is going to come and restore things, and one who is like the Son of Man is going to come and is going to sit at the right hand of God. And so when Jesus says, I am the Son of Man, he is claiming a relationship with God that is different than anyone else's relationship. He is claiming um, a ministry of his that is unique 
to all other prophets who came before him. Those who studied the prophetic tradition knew that prophets had no honor in their hometown. Prophets were oftentimes rejected. Prophets were oftentimes killed. Nobody likes a prophet. But Jesus is more than a prophet. Jesus is the Son of Man who is coming to set the world right. And the world will be made right, Jesus says, not through my violence, not through me killing others, but through suffering and from death. And you who want to be my disciple, guess what? You must learn to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. In Jesus' day and age, the image of the cross was something that they are well familiar with. If you upset the political powers of the day, they would put you up on a cross to be a warning to anyone else who would want to try to stand up. It is much like in the South in how the noose and public hangings were used in which to threaten and terrorize. This is what the cross was. And so when Jesus says, take up your cross, the people would have heard this as ludicrous. Who would want to do that? Who would want to suffer in that way? Who would want to be shamed in that way? And Jesus says, that is at the heart of discipleship. Now at this point, I'm sitting there saying, you know what, Jesus, this sounds great and all, but there is no way that I can do this. St. Augustine, reflecting on this passage, says that any commandment that is done with love is easy. And I'm sitting there going, Augustine, I don't know about you, but taking up crosses and denying myself is not something that is easy, no matter how much love I have in my heart. So what does it mean to deny ourselves? What does it mean to take up our cross? What does it mean to follow Jesus? We live in a society and a culture in which, in reality, Christians may occasionally be inconvenienced, but we are not, we are not tortured. We, 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 we may be inconvenienced, but we do not live the type of world that these first century Christians live and Christians around other parts of the world. Right, so, so what happens is, is in American Christianity, we go and we look for crosses to take up because we think that if we're not somehow suffering, that we are not living a discipled life. We don't have to go and look for crosses. The crosses will come to us, and they may not be your torch being tortured. It may be the day-to-day -day stuff that has happened to you. Anyone who has ever lost a loved one has carried a cross. Anybody who has ever received a diagnosis they did not want to receive, they have carried a cross. Anyone who has lived life has carried crosses. You don't have to go find a special one. Life is difficult enough without us making ourselves martyrs when we don't need to be. This is what Tertullian said in the 4th century. He says that your cross means your own anxieties and your suffering in your own body. Life is a cross. 
You don't have to go find it. Being a disciple of Jesus is a cross. Taking on the way of Christ, taking on the way of love, choosing not to be a person of violence and of hatred is hard. It's nearly impossible for me. Now, I know Don is perfect over here, and Don does not struggle with being angry at anyone. He is a model Christian. Don, I have so missed you. I have had nobody here to, to pick on in over a year. Welcome back to church. Being a Christian is really difficult and tough work. That in and itself is a cross to bear. When you sit there and say, I am a Christian, you are taking on a cross. There's some good news in that. One of Jesus' sermons, he tells those that my burden is light, my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. When you let Jesus go with you through life, it makes it easier doesn't mean the crosses aren't going to happen. doesn't mean the anxieties aren't going to happen. doesn't mean bad things aren't going to happen to you. Jesus is not an inoculation from life. Jesus makes life bearable and lets us know that the things that we suffer from are not the last word. The last thing I want to say about this is, is that this is something that takes time. It's not natural to us. Our natural instincts is to, to strike back. Our natural instinct would be like Peter. Come on, let's go. Let's take our weapons. Let's go. Let's f- drive the Romans out. Let's take our country back. Let's, let's, let's install the kingship like it is. But instead, Jesus says to live a life of peace and of grace and of forgiveness. Will Willimon, reflecting upon his marriage, he says, you know, I was struck the day after my wedding how strange it was that I said that I was going to be committed to this person for the rest of my life, and each time I had to make a decision, oh yeah, I made a vow. Having been a single person his entire life, he never had to check with anyone about decisions he made, but now he said, okay, I made a vow. I have to check with someone else. I can't just make decisions for myself. And he said, as he would remind himself about these vows and making different decisions, he said, I soon found that those decisions became sort of second nature. And I didn't have to think about the vow as much because the vow became part of who I was. Much the same way that us as Christians who take on the mantle of Christ, sometimes we have to remember, okay, I'm a Christian. I have to respond differently. Maybe you do the southern passive-aggressive thing, oh, well, bless your heart. (laughs) But eventually, when you take on this identity, it becomes second nature. And the times in which it's easy, you can sit there and go, thank you, Jesus, for the moments in which it was easy. And the moments in which you want to push back on being a disciple of Jesus, you can say, Jesus, I need you to carry this. I know that when I invite you to this, the burden is light. Because see, here's the the good news. We have nothing to prove 
God loves you already. God has forgiven you already. God has welcomed you. You don't get any sort of platinum benefits if you, you know, are, are nicer to people. Right? There's no, there's no, there's no tear in heaven. And I think that's what makes us hard. When we want to go and we want to live a life of Jesus, we have to live differently than the way the world lives. I'll leave it with what Jesus asked his disciples. For what will it profit to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Amen. Thank you for listening. For more, go to ChristChurchTulsa.org and peace be with you.